Anyway, so last week, uh, Jesus gives us the third and final prediction as he is on his way to Jerusalem about his coming suffering, his death, his torture, the whole thing. And we just get this idea that, you know, these people just don't seem to get it yet, do they? Uh, James and John, they approach Jesus, and what do they ask? Yeah, we want, we want seats of honor in your glory. We, we glorify you, you're in the middle, but we would like to be in these positions of power. And that's a lot of how uh, they have seen things. So Jesus, let me show you how the book of Mark, the book of Mark is just, all these gospels are genius. We just don't, we just usually just read the stories and we don't see how they're written because when we see how they're written, it's just, it's brilliant. So the first part of the book is, uh, it's uh, Jesus's Galilean ministry. All right, and you remember, he's up in Galilee, uh, and he is, um, he's doing uh, these miracles, he's teaching, and all of these kind of things, and so that is what led us to this Act 2, and so, uh, so Act 2, uh, we come to the, uh, it begins this way, there is, um, a blind man is healed. So, uh, uh, not healing, a blind man is healed. And do you remember this story of the blind man who's healed? And this goes back to um, chapter 8. And this is when they came to Bethsaida. Hey, Mike, can you put that bag up? It is just, I can't hear myself think. Uh, so we come here and he says, they came to Bethsaida and some of the people brought him this blind man, right? But there was something unique does anybody remember what was unique about the blind man in chapter 8? It's something we, we don't see with Jesus. It was the double healing. Remember? He had to touch him twice. And we said, look, this, is, this is, is showing what is happening with the disciples of Jesus. And, and they are spiritually blind. Okay? They are spiritually blind. Ugh, can't spell today. Um, and and they, they confess, finally, right after this, they finally confess that Jesus is the Christ. But we learn they need a second touch. Just like the blind man. They saw colors, they saw shapes, but everything's blurry. Because they just can't see a Jesus who is a Messiah who's going to go and die on a cross. So here we are this morning, and this closes out Act 2. Guess what it's about? A blind man is healed. <laughs> Folks, this is not a coincidence. Another blind man is going to be healed. And we see that this blind man is the only one in Act 2 that had spiritual sight. Nobody else did. It's crazy. It, like I said, all of this is just, uh, it's, it's just pulling us all in as to what is happening. 
So all along the way, Jesus is trying to heal them of this spiritual blindness. And then we come to this man. So somebody read for us verse 46. Okay, so what I want us to see here is with the exception of the town, and this just shows you this bracketing that's happening in this act two. With the exception of the town, the story start the exact same way in the Greek. And they came to. You're, we're supposed to catch this. We don't read like this, but they did, and they would have caught this. And so it shows this, this bracketing that's happened. And it also lets us know where are they. Jericho. Anything significant about the city of Jericho, if you remember? Yeah, the walls came tumbling down. Yeah, so the, the, the first city they come to in the conquest was Jericho. And them, along with Damascus, they argue over which is the oldest city in the world, continuous city in the world. This is Jericho. Uh, this is like shows you where this was, what it would have looked like back in ancient times. This is actually the ancient site, uh, but it is the oldest continuous city in all of the world. It is 840 feet uh, below sea level, and it is 3,500 feet below Jerusalem, which tells you a little bit about this hike that these pilgrims are going to have to make. All of them have to make um, from who are coming from Galilee. So now, one of the things I want to notice in what was just read, where is Bartimaeus sitting? Yeah, beside the road. Now, just take that and file it in the back for now, okay? Because Mark is doing something else. So here he is, he's beside the road. Galilean Jews on this pilgrimage, they come down. Um, they go into Perea because they do not want to go in Samaria. Uh, and so here they are in Jericho. As we see, they're, they're getting close to Jerusalem. This was the perfect place for someone like a blind man to be because he has to beg for a living. Uh, this is the guy who, um, you know, the, he didn't have anything. So he's hoping to catch these pilgrims. Hopefully they're going to be in a good, generous mood as they are making their trip up to the holy city. Um, and so at this particular time, it is getting close to what festival? Passover. Yes, Passover. So in the ancient world, we have uh, the blind man. This blind man is totally dependent um, in the world. He is what we would consider the least. Oops. Or we might say he is the last in how society views a person like this. And we're going to see how the, the crowds treat him. There is another comparison from Act 2. What do you think he's contrasting? Come on. Last couple of weeks, two or three weeks, 
Okay, that's a good correlation, but there's somebody else. The rich man. Remember the rich man? Oh, you're going to see how all this just breaks down. And according to the world, he is the greatest. All right, he's the one that, you know, going out looking for disciples, this is the guy we would want. Uh, he is considered the first. And as Mike pointed out, I mean, this is the same issue that we're seeing with the disciples, so why wouldn't they think, you know, Jesus, why are you so rough on the rich man? But now there's this contrast with the blind man. He is the least. He is the last. All along the way, Jesus is trying to teach the difference between um, the two. All right, somebody read for us verse 47. Okay, so, all right, so even though he was physically blind, this man saw clearer than anyone else. He refers to him something here. What does he refer um, to uh, Jesus? Son of David. All right, that's not exactly a common term we use when we think of Jesus, but it definitely was to, to, uh, to the Jews and, and how they how they saw things. And, and this idea of Jesus being the son of David, how far back does this go? Way back. Does anybody remember the particular incident? We went through 2 Samuel. You remember this? So there were, there were two parts of this prophecy in 2 Samuel chapter 7. The first part of the prophecy is that his son Solomon, and you know he's going to be a great kingdom and all this kind of stuff, but he also says he's going to rise up another offspring. There's another one who's going to come through the line of David. He's going to bring an eternal kingdom. Okay? Eternal king. This is how they thought. Now, this idea, actually the title itself of son of David does not come from the Old Testament. It comes from the inter intertestament period. The time between the Old and New Testament. So, around the middle of the first century, there was this book that was written called the Psalms of Solomon. And in that, we find this prayer. See, Lord, and rise up for them the king, their king, the son of David, to rule over Israel, your servant, in the time which you choose, O God. And if you go on and you read the rest of of that prayer you're getting a better idea of how these disciples thought of the messiah this is where this stuff is coming from okay this is this was the problem to them not being able to see okay so over here for the son of david um they saw someone uh who punished sinners Okay, I mean, we, we can see this up here. Uh, it is a nationalistic belief. In other words, this is about Israel and about them becoming this great nation, like in the time of, of David and Solomon and this type of thing. And then they saw it as the... Um, uh, that the Messiah will come and he will renew, or not renew, uh, I'm trying to think of the word that I use here, liberate Jerusalem. 
So Jesus who comes, he comes through the Isaiah prophecies. Bartimaeus, this blind man, he sees him as the son of David. But he sees him in the correct light. He doesn't see one who's coming to punish sinners, not that there won't be a judgment one day, but he sees as one who has who is come to, um, to restore or um, to have mercy on sinners. He has mercy on sinners and the outcasts. And instead of this nationalistic mentality, he, it, it, the son of David coming, it is going to be a nation for all. For all humanity. For all nations. And then rather than liberating Jerusalem, he's come to liberate humanity. This side is what the disciples continued to see and most of the Jews saw. This is the Messiah they were waiting to come rather than what, the son, what, uh, what Bartimaeus saw in the son of David. He saw someone who's coming to have mercy, someone who's going to heal, to make whole. That's why he comes to Jesus in the way he does and why Jesus will respond to him in the way that he does and and what's interesting is he calls him the son of David this is the first time we find this in the gospel of Mark does Jesus try to shut him down now before you know when people say you're you know you're the son of God or you're the you know all Jesus would be like Shh, no my time hasn't come so guess what we're come to the end of Act 2. We're getting ready to go into Jerusalem. Jesus is ready for these declarations to be made. He accepts those. And that's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. All right, so verse 48. Somebody read for us. All right. So Jesus doesn't try to silence him. But the crowds do. Now the question is, why are they telling him to be quiet, stop? Yeah, he's, he is dispensable. He is, he is not, he's the least. Uh, don't bother Jesus with your problems. And to prevent people from coming to Jesus is something we've seen before. And we saw it with who? Yeah, the disciples and the children, remember that? They're trying to bring children, and the disciples of Jesus, they're rebuking them. Well, guess what? Mark uses the exact same word for rebuke here, except it's not the disciples this time, it's the, the crowds. The crowds are rebuking this man. They're trying to prevent someone from coming to Jesus, and they're trying to prevent the least. That's what they did with the children. In that society, we've talked about this before and how children are seen. Don't bother Jesus. And Jesus doesn't like this. So, this crowd um, just doesn't get it. But let me ask you this. Did it stop the blind man? What happens? 
he gets louder. I love it. I mean, he gets, he's not going to let this crowd stop him. He gets louder, and he's begging for what? Mercy. And the word mercy here, it means compassion for the miserable. Its object is misery. Okay, this is a description that the blind man gives of himself. And he says, have mercy on me, son of David. Son of David. All right, somebody read verses 49 through 50. All right, so there's something important about this call um, that we find here. It's mentioned three times in one verse. And, and even though as we read it in our English versions, um, it, may, it seems like the same word, but it's different usages of it. It's the exact same word in the Greek. In other words, there's, there's a point of emphasis. Anytime you see something in threes in the Bible, it's, it's not a, you know, a coincidence. There's, there's a real reason. There's an emphasis that's being placed. And so what the emphasis is that's being placed here is the call. Call him. They call him. Get up. He is calling you. He's being called. <laughs> you get the idea? Jesus is calling him. That's what's happening here. Now, what is Bartimaeus' response? Yeah, don't you love that? He sprang up to stand up with force or vigor, conceived of as leaping in the air. And, and I think it's very important we see he throws off his cloak. Now, that's kind of an odd thing, a detail to put in there for for a writer, Mark is the least detailed of all the gospel writers. He just usually doesn't tell us a lot. I mean, he's always hurrying. He's always to the point. But here he tells us he throws off his cloak. And that probably, or may have been, I think we're supposed to get the impression that this is all this man has in the world. I mean, he's a poor beggar. And he throws off his cloak in order... To answer the call there's a contrast what's the contrast the rich man the rich man was not willing to throw off and you may say well well the rich man had a lot more money <laughs> you know it's just a cloak but that also goes to what Jesus said too right that it's it's as, it's as difficult as it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle uh, but the contrast is being made and both of those men both the rich man and the blind man are called by Jesus Jesus calls the rich man he says this is what I want you to do to come and follow me but he walked away sad right so this is this is this call he's answering this call all right somebody read for us verses 51 through 52 haha <laughs> All right, so he asks this very pointed question to them. What do you want me to do for you? Let me write this down. What do you want me to do for you? All right, I'm running out of space. But you get the idea. What do you want me to do for you? 
Have we heard this question before? Where have we heard this question? Give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Last week. <laughs> James and John. Look. Verse 36. It's the same question. Folks, these things are put in here for a reason. We're supposed to see the... Now, here's my question to you. Is, is why is he asking this question to, um, to Bartimaeus? To Bartimaeus and James and John. What, what do you think he's trying to tell us or show us here? What did James and John ask for? Yeah, they wanted seats of honor. Let's just put it on here as this. Extraordinary glory. What did Bartimaeus ask for? Was that? Yeah, ordinary. Help. So one wants something that's extraordinary. The other one is asking for something that is ordinary. One is asking for something for himself. To, to be able to uh, have these positions of power and greatness, and the other one just wants to see. Right? Now what you see here. So the question follows a line. Um, it's a line of thought that we have found through Acts chapter 2. I mean, not Acts 2, but Act 2. <laughs> I do this a lot when I'm sitting here thinking about it. It's not Acts 2, it's Act 2. There's a lot of things that's been happening. So the, the, the rich man comes to Jesus, and what does he want? He wants eternal life, but without a commitment. Right? James and John, they just come to Jesus, and they're wanting places of honor. And here we come to this man, a blind beggar, the last, the least, and all he asks for is sight. Now, I know, that's a big thing. But at the same time, you, you listen to his request. And a lot of beggars ask for money. You know, they're, they're asking for something that's going to keep them going and so forth. But this man, he, he's asking for something else. Something else I want you to see here, just to show us the mindset of Bartimaeus. Um, in fact, it's in verses 51 and 52 that was just read. Uh, how does he refer to him, refer to Jesus? Rabbi. The English Standard Version says rabbi. Anybody have anything different than rabbi? Master. Anyone else have a marginal note or anything? It's actually the word rabboni. It means, that's what yours has. Uh, is that the translation itself? Okay, so that's the translation, the way they translate it. Yeah, that is, that is the correct translation there, Rabboni. And you may say, well, what's, what's the difference? Well, there really was a difference. 
Um, and it is, first of all, there's only twice in all the Gospels that this word is used. The other time is used in John chapter 20 and verse 16. And it also is used to address Jesus as Rabboni. It's, it's a reverent, more reverent description than calling him a rabbi. And it was something that, you know, in Jewish literature, you just didn't see this as a common way of greeting. Anytime we see, most of the time that this word is used, it is used to address God in prayer. So what do you think that Bartimaeus is thinking of Jesus by calling him Rabboni? He believes he's God. He believes he is the son of David who has come to have mercy. It's, it's just, there's so much here. See what I'm saying? You just read this over and it's like, well, wow, this blind man got healed. That's great. But boy, there's just so much, so much in here. All right, so here's a question. Does Jesus heal him? Yeah. And, and there's something that is being said here about this healing. What is that? Yeah, he says, your faith. Your faith. Now, we use this word a lot. You know, we are people of faith. Uh, I'm a person who has faith. And, and I cannot stress enough that this word as it's being used of saving faith is talking about to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. That's why sometimes I will say trust rather than saying believe because a lot of times, I mean, there's a lot of people. Let me ask you, did the rich man believe in God? Sure he did. Did he have saving faith? No, because he didn't trust Jesus. He didn't rely upon Jesus. So he doesn't have this kind of faith. There's a, there's a big difference that's going on here. Um, so what did Bartimaeus have faith and trust and reliance in? Yeah, in, in God, in Jesus, but I think also, and this is showing the difference between these connotations of the son of David, is he believed in what the prophets of Isaiah spoke, such as this. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them, I will turn the darkness before them into light, these are the things I do. I do not forsake them. The son of David has come to the wilderness. You remember, remember going all the way back to chapter 1. You remember how Mark gets started. He doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. As we said, man, he, he's just ready to go. And, and he, he gives this prophecy from Isaiah where the son of of God, where the Lord Yahweh Himself is coming down the road. He's coming down the road. This is the way He sees in Him. He has come to lead, to enlighten the blind in His march to the holy city. That's what's happening here. Yahweh's servant was to minister to the blind and the captive and the broken. And as Mark here is using this, it was the disciples who were the ones who were truly blind. They were the ones who needed that enlightenment. They are the ones who needed to be guided. And they've come a long way. Don't, let's not 
misunderstand, but we also understand why they are where they are, right? Because of the concept of a Messiah, okay? And so uh, Jesus says to him, go your way, your faith has done what? It's made you well. Another great word. It means to heal, conceived of rescuing or delivering a person from imprisonment or other affliction. And this is a word that was used, and it could be used in two different ways. One had to do with physical wellness, and the other one had to do with a spiritual wellness. And in the case of Bartimaeus, we see that it's both. He receives his physical sight, but we also see there is a spiritual enlightenment that happens. Uh, and, and Mark makes sure that we get this. All right. Think back what I told you to kind of put in the back of your mind. Where, where did it say Bartimaeus was in verse 46? Yes, he's beside the road. Verse 52, the end of verse 52, where is Bartimaeus? Yeah, he's on the road. Same, same word for road, uh, even though it'll say, I think the English Standard Version says, the roadway, or the way, we see these different things. It's the same word. He is beside the road in the first part of this, and by the end, after his encounter with Jesus, he is on the road. Uh, let me show you this. This is, this is so powerful. So Jesus is, is on his way to Jerusalem, and so here's Bartimaeus. He is beside the road. But now after his encounter, he is on the road with Jesus. And on the road, as Mark is showing us here, is that this is discipleship. When we are on the road with Jesus, there is that he's changing us, he's moving us, we are following Jesus. And it's bred out of this faith, a saving faith, not just a belief in God, but a saving faith. If someone says, I have faith, but they are not a disciple, they have, do not have saving faith. I don't care if they tell you they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If they're not on the road with Jesus... They do not have this faith. Okay? So this is showing us. Mark is just, he's just painting this picture of what it means to be a disciple. They're, they've missed it. They're spiritually blind. They're getting some things. They need a second touch. Right? Just like the blind man back in Bethsaida. And they're going to get a second touch. Where? In Jerusalem that's when they are going to see Jesus finally and what it means for him to die and to be resurrected but right now they're still struggling but for us we're supposed to look to blind Bartimaeus okay now one other thing I want to show you is the word go so he says go your way uh, many times after we find these healings, um, these healings of Jesus, 
that he tells them to go, okay? So you, you have the leper who was healed, and he's told to go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. He healed the paralytic man, right? And he said to him, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go to your home. The um, man who was filled with that legion of demons, you remember that? He cast out those le the legion of demons, and Jesus says to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. He heals the woman who had a continuous bleeding for 12 years. You remember that story? And he tells her, go in peace. Be healed of your disease. The Seraphonician woman, um, she had this same kind of saving faith that Bartimaeus is described as having. And Jesus then says to her, for, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And then Jesus comes here to our text and he says to this blind man, go your way, your faith has made you healed. But it's the only one, the only one, where it, is, it comes back with this, and he followed him on the way. Folks, this is, this is, we've been taken from Jesus' Galilean ministry from Act 1, and, and Act 2 begins with all of this stuff that's happening, and, and we come to the end of Act 2, and we learn what this is all about. Folks, this is just powerful stuff. So Bartimaeus, he's now set free from his blindness. He represents all who have found enlightenment and follow Jesus. All who have been saved by, by God. We also, and are on the road, we're no longer spectators. We are on the road. He says, that's where we're supposed to be. And how does this text end in verse 52? What do they do? They're setting off, right? Where are they headed? To Jerusalem. What Mark has done is this. He makes sure we get this bracketing effect. And he shows us, of all those in Act 2, he is the only one the only one with enlightenment. And now he asks us to join Bartimaeus on this road of faith and discipleship in following Jesus to this cross. You see this? This is so powerful. This is so powerful. So Act 3 is going to begin next week. And in typical Mark fashion, it's craziness. It's craziness. Uh, I mean, it, we're, we're, we're down to this really like the last week of Jesus's, Jesus um, before the cross. Um, so we're, we're moving along. Uh, so that's where we're going to be. And, and so next week what we see is this triumphal entry. This is what we've been waiting for. But, but the twist is just, it's, it's awesome. All right. Yeah, uh, yes, Lonnie.
right? Yeah, well, I, I think you definitely are on to something in the fact that Jesus... Yeah, well, I think, I think the point really is that Jesus wants us to bother him. Absolutely. Yeah, to, to come to him and, and, to, um, and so forth. All right, let's... Uh, oh, yeah, Jerry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that, yeah, you're, you're seeing a lot of that. Um, you know, you just love the patience that Jesus has with these apostles. That's an excellent point. And what he's trying to get them to is, is to, to answer this question the way it's supposed to be answered. What do you want me to do for you? Are you looking to be the greatest and the first? Or will you come to him as the least and the last? Because one ends up on the road with Jesus. The other one walks away from Jesus. And this is what he's showing us, this reverse. The last will be first. And the least will become the greatest. Isn't it brilliant? It's just brilliant. And all along the way, Jesus has been giving those little quips, right? And it's not until blind Bartimaeus that it all comes, it just comes full circle. And we've seen all of those who are looking to be the greatest, whether it's it's them, the apostles arguing on the road, or, or whether it's them asking for the greatest seats, or whether they're rebuking children, or whether they're telling someone who's not in their group that they are to stop because they're not following their group and everything else. And you just you see all of this stuff, and they see, they see following Jesus as a means to the greatest and the first. But it's Bartimaeus. He's the one that brings the whole thing together. And it's really fascinating because if you just read your Bible and you come to the book of Mark and you read this story of Bartimaeus, you can just read right past it and go, good for Bartimaeus. But then when you see it in its literary form, oh, I'll tell you, I don't want to just read stories. I want to know how the author is trying to frame this stuff because it changes me, and that's what it's intended to do. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for allowing us to be here. Father, we just pray that you'll be with us in our time of worship. And Father, we pray that all praise and honor and glory will come before you. We pray for those who have stumbled in this morning and they're they're just a little discombobulated. They've had a rough day, and maybe they're sick. Maybe there's other things that are going on in their minds. Maybe it's just the holidays that are coming up, and it brings this distress. And, Father, we cry out to you. We cry out above the noise of the crowds, and we ask you, Father, to hear us. Be merciful to us, the Son of God, and we pray all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.